Let's open our Bibles today to the Gospel of John, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, it is good to worship with you and wow, we um, meet together before anything happens here on the property to pray together, a group of guys and actually deacons that meet me in my office and we pray each week at nine and just pray in there uh, already just since God was uh, do some amazing things today and well the baptism already and what a celebration there and next to our coming others that will profess their faith publicly in Christ and maybe uh, today as you see these baptized the Lord would speak to your heart about trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior I would love to talk to you about that and uh, you could find me after the service out here in the commons close to the welcome center and we could get that conversation started uh, others of you have trusted Jesus already but never taken this step of following the Lord in believers baptism and you can tell today that uh, there's a room full of people that are waiting to celebrate with you and uh, we'd love for you to um, let me know about that and uh, let's talk about that and get that done and celebrate publicly uh, your faith in Jesus Christ the first words um, on my mind when I woke today were, uh, Lord, I need your help. I don't know if that's uh, the prayer that comes to your mind or your heart when you wake. And uh, Today it was for me, and I, I think it's the most consistent uh, morning thought that I have when I wake. Lord, I need your help. And before ever climbing out of the bed, that, that, that seems to be where the prayer starts. Today, when I was laying there and those words, Lord, I need your help, were just rolling through my mind and rolling through my heart. The first thing the Lord impressed on my heart in response to that was this, you have something better than help. You have something better than help. You have a helper. You have a helper. And I thought, that's good to know. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And it was a good reminder to me of how practical the truth is that we have a helper. Now, when I say we, I'm talking about an individual, a person who has trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Each of those people that you saw baptized this morning were publicly declaring their faith in Jesus Christ. They've already been saved. And you can't see it necessarily on the outside, but on the inside, there's a helper living there. And that's true for every person in this room. Whether you know it or not, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a helper with you and in you. The Bible teaches us that this is the Spirit of God. We talk about Him as being the Holy Spirit. 
You may have grown up in a generation of reading the King James Version and know him as the Holy Ghost. Today we speak of him as most often as the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 beginning in verse 1. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Look down in verse 18. Verse 15. Verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, John chapter 15 at the very end, verse 26. John 15, verse 26, Jesus continues this conversation with his disciples. And John 15, 26 says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged verse 12 I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. We're now in this fifth week of our Good to Know series. If, there was a, if this was a book called Good to Know and it had a subtitle, it would probably be something like this, taking the if I had only known moments out of life and death. There's some things that are good to know. And we don't want to get to a place where we would be saying on matters of life and death, if I had only known. And so just in a systematic way, we're talking about some things in the Christian faith that are good to know. We 
So the Bible is God's word and it can be trusted. We said that we are created by God in his image. And then we took a week to show from Genesis 3 that we have a sin problem. And then last week we said we have a savior. And we talked about who Jesus is and what Jesus did, what Jesus is doing, and what Jesus will do. I want to go back to those phrases, who Jesus is, what Jesus did, what Jesus is doing, and what Jesus will do. We said Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, and he did what he promised he would do. He went to Jerusalem, he died, he was buried, he rose again. He ascended to heaven. And in heaven, the Bible tells us that he's preparing a place for us and he's praying for us. But we move from what Jesus is doing to what Jesus will do. If he's in heaven praying for us and preparing a place for us, and we believe that Jesus will return one day and reward and reign, what about that meantime? Here we are. You know where we are? Where we are today. We're living in that between time of Jesus in heaven praying for us and preparing a place for us and Jesus coming again. We're right there. We're living in that between time. We're living in the mean time. And we have God's word and we read God's word and we, we see what's laid before us of living and following Jesus Christ. So how do we how do we do this? And that's exactly what Jesus is addressing here in John 14, in John 15, in John 16, where Jesus says, yes, I will go to heaven and I will prepare a place for you. But when I go, there is someone who's coming and he's a helper and he will be with you and he will be in you. Now, somehow, with the Spirit of God, please, this is a, a prayer to heaven this morning for me and for all of us. Give us the ability to, in a fresh way, to grasp the fact that the power and presence of God is living in us today who have faith in Jesus Christ. That same power that raised Jesus back to life is living in you. And he's your helper. Now, there's a lot of ways that the Holy Spirit is spoken of. Sometimes we talk about the Holy Spirit and, and it, it probably will come through in my words from time to time and, and, and I would say wrongly when I might refer to the Holy Spirit as a thing or an it. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person, a member of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we speak of tapping into the power of God or we talk about uh, something that makes the Holy Spirit almost seem like, um, like a I think somebody referred one time to like, like the Star Wars, 
I'm not a big fan, so you're going to have to hunt for that. It's a, a, the force, this force that's within you. Um, listen to how Jared Wilson talks about the Holy Spirit. And this is the truth. The Holy Spirit's not an it at all. This power is the very presence of God himself in our lives, the presence of God's Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit's not what, but who. The Holy Spirit's the third person, the triune God, co-equally and co-eternally God, along with the Father and the Son. He is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. As God, he has always existed, and he always will. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, Though he shares the same essential nature they do, equal with both the Father and the Son, he is commissioned by the Father to glorify the Son and apply the work of the Son to the lives of believers. The Holy Spirit cannot be pumped or scooped. He cannot be slung around or gathered up or dispensed. He's not pixie dust. In this sense, there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not a thing at all but the very presence of the personal God himself with us, in us, and around us. And so today when we think about the Holy Spirit, I want you to be encouraged that you have a helper there are three facts from God's Word about the Holy Spirit that I want to share with you. And I want to be concise with these. And I would put these three facts about the Holy Spirit in the form of a prayer for us to pray. And when our morning starts, or our day starts, maybe your day starts at night. I don't know what kind of shift you operate on. But when our eyes open... And we're saying, Father, I need your help. If these three prayers would follow right in line with that. And the first would be, Father, I pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit today. Spirit of God, fill me. Now having the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit are two different things. We have the Holy Spirit when we... Trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Peter says, Believe and you will receive the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 3, the Apostle Paul asked the question, he said, Did you receive, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or did you receive the Spirit by faith? We receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of our faith in Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 1.13, those who believe the truth, those who believe the gospel are said to be marked with a seal by the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the, the question is, is that practically will we be filled with the Holy Spirit as God's word commands us? In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, reminds you of the verse in Ephesians 5.18 that says, Be not drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the contrast is given there to show that someone who is drunk on wine is controlled by that. Their decisions are affected by that. 
their walking is affected by that. And he's using a practical example from life to say that spiritually we're to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. We're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We speak of being filled with anger or filled with joy or filled with emotions or filled with information. And, and what we're saying in those moments is we're saying a person who's full of joy, it just affects everything about them. It, it filled with anger, it comes through in every, every way that you relate to them. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as the Apostle Paul speaks of in Ephesians 5, is for the Spirit of God to be free to work in us, to be free to control us. And how the Spirit helps us is by filling us. And by the Spirit filling us, He leads us and convicts us and guides us and glorifies the Father and produces the works of the Spirit instead of us producing the works of the flesh. So when we pray, Lord, I need your help today, follow that prayer with, and Lord, would you fill me with the power of your Spirit. Second prayer, pray for the fruit of the Spirit. Father, I need your help today, and would you fill me with your Spirit, control me, lead me, guide me, let me walk in step with you, and Father, I want to ask you, to let the fruit of the Spirit be born in me. Let me bear the fruit of the Spirit. Well, what are the fruit of the Spirit? We don't have to guess at that. In Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, you have this long chapter that speaks about the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. Speaks about the deeds of the flesh, the works of the flesh, and the fruit of the Spirit. When we think about fruit being something that confirms that something is real or genuine. And in verse 22 of chapter 5 of Galatians, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against, against such things there is no law. Probably someone in this room right now is singing the fruit of the Spirit song in your mind or heart. The fruit of the Spirit. It was always a, a very unsettling experience as a nurseryman growing up. In the wintertime, our biggest seller was bare root, dormant fruit trees. And we sold a lot of peach trees and a lot of apple trees and a lot of figs and plums and no leaves, just roots and a stem and tags. And it was always... Um, Interesting, when people would show back up and they'd say, I wanted to bring you some fruit from my apple trees. And they lay that fruit down and I'd look at it and I'd say, those aren't apples, those are pears. <laughs> and they look at me and say, yep. So, well, the tag said apples. <laughs> and you know what that response is? Well, the fruit says pears. And in our life, we can tag ourselves, we can fill out cards, we can even be baptized. But the evidence, the realness of being a child of God 
is the fruit of the Spirit. And listen, we can be saved and not bear fruit of the Spirit. Not for long. We all know there are times where we get over, as my friend David Landreth used to say, we get over on the dark side. And the fruit of the flesh start coming out, starts coming out. And what's the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit in us, he convicts us. And, and that's why we would start our days and live our life as saying, Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit and let the fruit of the Spirit be evident in my life. And here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. You notice with the Holy Spirit that the fruit of the Spirit has an eternal perspective. And the works of the flesh is always in a hurry and has a temporary perspective. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness. Self, those, those things speak of having a long view, of having an eternal perspective. And here's the third prayer. The filling of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then third, pray for the finishing work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible word for the finishing work of the Holy Spirit is sanctification. We are justified by grace through faith. That's a declaration when we trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We're justified. It's like a court declaration that because of Jesus Christ and his righteousness being credited to our account, that work of grace, we are justified by God's grace. Sanctification is that ongoing work where the apostle Paul says, continue to work out your salvation. That's not working for salvation, but it is us becoming more and more in our practice like our position in Christ. And the work of the Holy Spirit does that finishing work in our life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. He says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What's the goal of the Christian life? It's for us to be transformed to Christ's likeness. When we have that sin problem that wrecks our relationship with God and mars the image of God, the Holy Spirit works in us to continue to transform us into the likeness of Christ. Now, the finishing work of the Holy Spirit means that we become we begin to look more and more like Jesus Christ. Now, if you go to a class reunion and you're at your 30-year high school class reunion and somebody walks up to you and says, why, Carlos, you haven't changed a bit. Well, I, I think, hallelujah, <laughs> that they would think that. And, and, but listen, when you walk into a Christian reunion, and you're 30 years into living for Jesus Christ, the last thing in the world you want to hear is why you haven't changed a bit. You, you want to hear that the Spirit of God has been finishing you, working on you, changing you, transforming you to look more and more like Christ. There's an iconic agricultural image that every one of us have seen for a few generations. I want you to take a look at this picture. And uh, y'all know that? Isn't that the best? 
that it's, it's the most uh, known image, agricultural image in all the world. There have been more posters of this sold, I'm told, than any other poster ever produced. When we look at that, what do we say about those kids? We would say those kids look like farmers. We would think those kids are young, but they're beginning to dress like farmers. They're beginning to talk like farmers. They're, they're wearing their hats like farmers. They're wearing their boots like farmers. And I say to you that in our life, in our walk with Christ, that the goal of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is for us to look more and more like our Father. Oswald Chambers says, the one and only characteristic of the Holy Spirit in a person is a strong family likeness to Jesus Christ and freedom from everything that is unlike him. So how do we access the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, he's in us. He's waiting for us to walk with him. In many ways, it's like the person who finds the $20 bill in their pants pocket. And they never knew it was there. Today, as a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe for the first time, you hear that you have a helper living inside of you. And he was given to you when you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And just like we're saved by faith, we walk in the Spirit by faith. Lord Jesus, would you be my helper today and fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you help me to bear the fruit of the Spirit? And Father in heaven, by the power of your Spirit, would you transform me to make me look more and more like Christ? Holy Spirit, you're in charge today. Let's go. It's good to know we have a helper. I want to take a few minutes and talk to you about something that I, I really think is tied to a very practical way, the work of the Spirit in our lives. You can put your Bibles up if you want to take some notes, that's fine. I'm, I want to I share with you for a few minutes before we leave some updates about some new additions to our staff team and some new assignments to our staff team. If you're brand new here, uh, just welcome to the family conversation, all right? And, and uh, and, I, and, I, and I, don't, I don't feel like it's a, it's a far reach at all from what we're talking about with the Holy Spirit because what I'm sharing with you over the next few minutes is a result of at least 12 months of praying and asking the Lord for his leadership, his guidance, his direction, his insight. And that's not just me praying. Uh, these new additions and new assignments that I'm sharing with you means that uh, Joel Shinpo, our executive pastor, and myself have been praying together. In fact, for about a year, almost without fail, every single week, we've had a singular meeting focused on just what are who our staff is, what our staff needs, what new additions we need on our staff team. 
to make wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. And beyond me and Joel, it means also that our church leadership team has met monthly and in many cases, most months met more than monthly to have these same conversations, to be praying and seeking the Lord for his wisdom and his guidance. And so I want to share with you what is a, uh, up to this point is the culmination of a lot of those prayers. And certainly God's not done and there'll be things that he'll do in the future. But uh, this, these prayers, this process, these things I'm talking to you about even began December of last year talking about these things in our budgeting process and new positions that we would be adding to our team. And we've been looking for those positions, looking for people to fill those places. And, and before I tell you who and what, let me give you just a few reasons of why. Uh, why these changes, why these additions. Uh, one is a growing community, and I don't want to give you a lot of numbers. All I've got to do is just give you some pictures. When you look around at our community uh, from this spot, just two miles, three miles, four miles, five miles, six miles. Some of you live even further than that. The pictures that we see all around us are roads changing, schools changing, banks being built, schools being built, neighborhoods being built, shopping opportunities being built. They all paint a picture of a community that's growing. And I've said for a long time that all of California is moving to Oconee County. And, and the Californians in this room know uh, that to be true. We have a growing community, and we also have a growing church. Uh, back in the uh, spring of 2020, certainly COVID began to just be something that was weird for all of us, especially in church ministry. And so we don't even know everything that happened in those COVID years. But, so we go back and look at 2019. In 2019, September of 2019 to September of this year, 2019, September, 2022, September, our church average attendance on property each Sunday has increased by 400 people. And so not only have we come back from COVID, but we have seen an increase in attendance of 400 people. We have averaged in September of this past, of this year, almost 2,000 people on property uh, each week. Now we, so how many members do we have? We track that, but that's really not a clear picture. The clearest picture that I can tell you that paints what's happening in the life of our church is that when we go to our records and our database and, and just look at the last six months, that there's an, there's an excess of 5,000 people that we are connected to as a church family. And you know how it is, we come in shifts. We don't, we don't all show up too many times on the same Sunday, but over 5,000 people that we would look at and say, that's, that's who we're connected to. So a growing community and a growing church, which obviously means growing needs. The needs are obvious. We have six full-time pastors on our staff and four other ministry directors on our staff, and that's 10, and just keep in mind, that's a 1 to 500 ratio. And so if you were going to try to call all those people and said today to those 10 uh, directors and pastors, hey, give these guys a call, it's going to take a while. And, uh, and so let you know a little bit about why we might be adding and reassigning. And I would just say to you that even in our staff that uh, we've had a lot of longevity with our staff, 
But these reassignments is a recognition of, of staff growing, of uh, taking on more responsibility, and even giving them fresh challenge and uh, fresh focus as they continue to serve here. And I would just offer to you that with a growing community and a growing church and growing needs that we cannot coast or be complacent when we have a great commission to fulfill. And those are the, some of the reasons why. And so let me give you some, some what. Um, the first is a new role and a new addition to our staff team that will be full-time. And we mentioned this position to you last December, but this is a role that we're calling next generation pastor, next gen pastor, next generation pastor. What, what would he do? Well, he will work with our preschool, our elementary, our middle, and our high school ministries, coaching in that, coordinating in that, and being a communicator on our team. Uh, when you look at our um, uh, preschool, elementary kids, middle school, and high school, so do we, we really need a, a person to kind of oversee all of that together? Here's the raw facts. In just the last two and a half months, birth through 12th grade, 846 different people have been on this property. As a church, that's a big church. That's like a mega church. I mean, 846 birth to 12th grade. And what we're saying is we want to put a person there that would coach those workers to help them to be even better at what they do, to coordinate ministry from birth to 12th grade so there's a consistent flow from one season of life into the next season of life when it comes to discipleship and, and to be able to coordinate something as practical as calendar events to as important as a whole discipleship process from birth through 12th grade. And then this person also would be another communicator on our staff team that would preach and teach in this room as well as teaching in a lot of different environments on our property when needed. And I want to just go ahead and introduce this morning our brand new candidate is coming to our church to take on this role, Andrew and Kimberly Barnes. Y'all come stand with me here. Come close, come close. Andrew and Kimberly Barnes, and they have a son named Tate that's in the nursery. Um, for the last eight years, Andrew and Kimberly have served at Concord Baptist Church in Anderson, South Carolina as a student pastor. Prior to that, at Lexington Baptist Church. And prior to that, uh, they were here at our church. They both University of Georgia graduates. Kimberly grew up in our church. She favors Laurie Lawrence. That's because she's her mom. And, uh, and so um, uh, Andrew has... Um, done his studies, done his work, about to complete his PhD, and he's coming back here to serve as the next-gen pastor, and I want you to see them, know them, take them out to lunch. They'll start November the 13th. Uh, love on them. Welcome them. We're excited y'all are here. We're excited to be here. Amen. 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 Another piece to our, our um, next generation environment is we're, we're adding a part-time next-gen worship director. And this is a person that can take music ministries, worship ministries, and our children 
and our youth and coordinate those things and help develop those things. And even as we worship in a room like this multiple times on Sunday morning, be reminded that in our children's ministry and in our student ministry, they're also worshiping in song. And Rebecca Emerson, I believe I have a picture. Y'all have seen Rebecca sing right here. And uh, Rebecca is a part-time uh, role for us. And then um, moving on to a, a position that we're calling adult and family ministries pastor. Don't show the picture yet, please. I don't know what's happening behind me, but adult and family ministries pastor. Those 800 plus kids that I spoke of just a moment ago, a consistent thing about all those kids is that they have parents. And, and what we want to say to those parents is, is that we want you to have a pastor that you feel like you can go to, that you can connect with, that's thinking intentionally about your needs in marriage, in parenting, in discipleship. And um, there's not a better person on our team to do this than Scott Carson. And, um, and so we're asking... Scott, it's like, Scott, I, I feel like for over 10 years, you've been watching families walk in and, and, and you see kids and, and you're, you're high-fiving kids. I said, now I need you to start high-fiving parents and, and just uh, come alongside them in adult and family ministries. And uh, next thing I would mention to you is uh, Brooke Lovingood. Uh, Brooke has been serving in our student ministry as a student ministry uh, coordinator and our student ministry associate, and we're asking Brooke if she would take on some new and added responsibility of being our women's ministry and groups director. Uh, Brooke has... Um, Y'all throw me off by clapping. I, I just, I'm, that's so good. Keep it up. It's just it's exciting. Um, Brooke has been on our team, faithful as a college student. You know her, you love her. She's growing and, and, and just uh, continues to uh, just, God's using her in, in a powerful way. And, and she'll be working alongside our current volunteer women's ministry team and, and seeing us expand ministry in our community, even in our world, just in relationship to what we do in, in focused ministry with women, as well as as we try to connect more and more people into groups in our church, she will be directing that process of discipleship in helping us build uh, and um, sustain those discipleship groups. Now, moving from women's ministry and groups director, I want to say a word to you about Taylor Krauss, who's also been a uh, student ministry associate and I've asked Taylor Krause if he would serve with us now as our student pastor and so um, I love this guy and um, he's doing awesome work and uh, he's got a, a big swath of life that he will be given vision and direction to and working alongside our next-gen pastor, who Andrew, who brings a lot of experience in student ministry. So excited to see what's going to happen in that team. Now, you see, with Brooke moving out of that ministry, we're adding a person back into that ministry to work alongside Taylor, and that's a student associate. Um, I, 
I want to introduce to you, if you're new to most of us in our church, Caroline Chester. You see a picture of Caroline Chester. <laughs> Caroline sitting right here. Wave. I got it. Caroline is a graduate of Georgia College and grew up in a pastor's home. She's been on staff at BCM and with Connect Ministries. And she leads a small group already in youth ministry. And, and she's coming there to serve as a student associate in our student ministry. Now, let me share with you this next piece. I'm so excited. We were talking about this last year. It's been a long-time vision and hope. And, and it's a position that we're referring to as community outreach. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's an intentional approach by us to say to our community in a coordinated way, we love you with no strings attached. Where we would coordinate our lives in, in areas of service to say to a community, we appreciate you, we love you, we're praying for you, we're here for you. When you think of a need, think of how our church could help you and, and just a thousand different ways. We want to love on our community with no expectation of return, but we'd also believe that as, as people who see genuine love of Jesus Christ and hear about Jesus, that many of those would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I've asked Lawton Jones, who's on our team, to serve as our community outreach. Uh, Lawton will also have on his plate responsibility with young adults. It's basically 22 years old up through, uh, maybe it's in your mind, but kind of 32-ish uh, young adults. And then also asking Lawton to have on his plate what I just call new ventures. And, and the reason for that is, is that I'm kind of an idea guy, and I'll sit around and say, hey, we need to try this, we need to try this, and I need a guy in the room that will say, I'll do it. And, and Lawton's a raise-his-hand kind of guy. He loves building things. He's an engineer. He loves bringing things forward. And, and uh, so Lawton will have this community outreach, young adults, and new ventures on his plate. We have added this year, and I want to be sure you know about, a connections and hospitality person. This involves one who coordinates all of our greeters, all of our ushers, all of our parking attendants, all the people that are the first line of contact for every new person on our property. And the hospitality piece involves everything from coordinating the church picnic to organizing table for 10 and food ministry for events like women's gatherings and high school senior uh, banquets and uh, serving in a part-time role doing full-time work is um, Diana Hill and uh, you'll uh, see uh, Diana we've already big impact from that and let me say a word to you about counseling needs in our church in our community um, we all know as we interact in life there's never been a higher demand that I'm aware of for conversations in a Christian counseling setting. And we're uh, real close to wrapping up the final details of having own property counseling services available uh, provided by Formations Christian Counseling. It's a nationwide Christian counseling ministry uh, and they, they bring their own administrative support uh, they bring their own uh, insurance. They just uh, set up on a local church property. 
and uh, you uh, call a number, their network of operators answers the call, takes the information, it's scheduled, it's the administrative side of it is not on our uh, plate as a church, but we have interviewed and we've talked and we've checked sources and real soon we believe a Christian counselor by the name of Laura Pittner will begin to be here on property several days a week to provide counseling services on a sliding scale fee based on a person's financial ability. And this is a first step of us just locally on property addressing Christian counseling needs. And I'm really excited about that potential and that development. Now, that's a lot of stuff, a lot of different pieces. But even in saying that, we still have four vacancies on our staff. I think those are listed behind me. We have a openings right now for college pastor, college ministry coordinator, with Scott stepping into his role, children's ministry director, and then communications coordinator. And if you, God speaks to your heart right now about any of those, talk to Joel before you leave today, and uh, we get a resume and start praying with you. Um, when's all this going to take place? Well, we hope all of this is kind of in place by January 1st. These team members that are on staff are already thinking about it, laying plans for next year, but we're not trying to move so rapidly that we just create a lot of gaps. You say, I don't know who to talk to now about this or that. Just go to the person that you would have gone to, and they'll direct you who to go to, or how, they'll help you in what your needs are. Um, these when you walk individually, I, I'm confident of this, that if you walk to any one of these members on our staff team and ask them, hey, what do you think about this? You're going to see excitement. You're going to see enthusiasm. You're going to see a freshness in their eyes. And I, I'm looking forward to the room and working with this team in these roles. Uh, ask any questions you need to ask of the church leadership team, of Joel, of me, our deacons. Uh, we can provide job descriptions for all of these roles and resumes of those that uh, are being uh, hired, joining our team. If you'd like those, remember our mission, making wholehearted followers of Christ. Remember our values, the word, relationships, generations, and living sin. And remember, Jesus is worth it. Amen? Let's go fulfill the Great Commission. I love you. I love being your pastor. I'm excited about the future, doing it with you. You have a blessed day. You're dismissed.